Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. On the final night of Jesus' life, think about this. Jesus prayed while he walked on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And we see what he prayed in John 17. As a matter of fact, don't forget to come on Sunday because we're going to be looking at Gethsemane. And we're going to be looking at the crushing of Jesus. The Lord's heart was heavy with the events that he, that, that he knew were coming. He paused to pray for us. And verse 20 makes it clear that Jesus was praying for anyone who believed on the testimony of him and teaching of the disciples. What was it that Jesus prays prays for? What was so important that Jesus would lift up his prayer um, to the Father right before he entered the garden? John chapter 17, 14 through 17. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation and it reads like this. He says, I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Now, again, let that soak in for just a moment, okay? Because this really is the foundation of what we're going to look at today. Notice what the Lord is telling us. The Lord is telling us today, I have given them your word. The world hates them. Why? Because they don't belong to the world. You go, amen, that's right. Um, Just as Jesus doesn't belong to the world. And then he says, I'm asking them not to take them out of the world, but keep them safe from the evil one. Now think about this. Jesus prays that we would not be overtaken by the world's influences. And this is not the first time Jesus alluded to this important subject. Jesus speaks about the utter uselessness of a candle that's hidden, if you will, or salt that has become diluted and it's lost its saltiness. The Apostle Paul also spoke on this important subject. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, and it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters... I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect think about that both jesus and the apostle is are coming in and they're saying hey guys listen you're going to live in the world you're going to dwell in the world you're going to have jobs in the world this is what he's telling us he says but but listen there's something so much more see god knew that there would be a draw of people to conform to the world it's that draw it's that pulling 
And he knew that, and instead of following his law, therefore he is giving us his word and godly examples to remind us to stand strong even in the midst of worldliness. We have to stand strong. If you're taking note tonight, I'm calling this message we're going to study, Standing Strong in an Ungodly World. Standing Strong in an Ungodly World. Why? For tonight, we discover four boys had already determined in their heart to remain Hebrew in an ungodly world. That's so important. Again, as by a way of recap, think about this. You are being thrust into an awful, ugly world. And just like these four boys, God is asking you to determine you're going to remain a strong believer even in an ungodly world. That's hard to do. Now, we need to remember what we've learned so far. And these are super important. You go, what are they? Well, for Daniel and his companions to be strong in an ungodly world, they had to do something. They, they, they had to set up what we call some non-negotiables in their lives. You understand what a non-negotiable is. This is something I'm not even going to entertain. This is a non-negotiable. You go, well, what were they? Well, if you recall... We learned two weeks ago that we needed to do that. We learned that under the introduction to Daniel, non-negotiables are more than just a set of religious beliefs. Well, this is how I was raised or whatever. It's more than that. Guess what it is? You ready? It's a commitment to risk everything we have or what we are for the faith we hold. Let me say that again. A non-negotiable is a commitment to risk everything we have or everything we are for the faith that we hold. That's a non-negotiable. Now, by way of recap, here's what we learned. Um, we learned a non-negotiable is to seek God, not sin. Seek God, not sin. Now, it's easy for me to stand behind a platform and say, we all need to stop, we need to seek God and not sin, but sin seems to come crouching at our door, sin seems to be around the corner, sin, sin is everywhere. Our goal is to seek the Lord, to look for him, to find him. I find it very interesting when sin comes knocking at your door, one of the very first things that happens is that we don't like to pray or read the word. We sort of kind of, well, I'll get to it. That's a non-negotiable. We also learn, too, that we need to fear God, not men. Fear God, not men. We need to take time for the things that are going on in our lives and go, okay, I need to, I need to fear God. I need to find out what God says. I need to know what he says. And then we learn the third one. That is what we learned the third. that says, love God not the world. Love God, not the world. Okay? And then we also looked at believe God and not the deceiver. Here's what we realize. You realize that Satan is the father of lies. Everything he says is a lie. And we need to believe and trust what God says. Yeah, pastor, but I can't see it. It's kind of hazy out there. I'm not sure what's going on. We need to believe God. 
Another important lesson we learned a couple of weeks ago just by way of recap is that um, here's what we need to remember, and this is so key. Just because we're not experiencing the consequences for our disobedience doesn't mean God is happy, pleased, or even looking the other way in our lifestyle. Listen, His mercy, His mercy, in His mercy, God still blesses us and hopes that we will repent and return to Him. Isn't that key? Isn't that key? We learned that even though we're not experiencing, oh, the consequences. It doesn't mean God's going, oh, I'm going to look the other way, Ben. You go ahead and do what you want, and then let me know when you're done. He's like, no, 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 here's the thing. That's wrong. That's my word. Don't do that. But Lord, I think I'm going to do it anyway. He says, but Ben, I love you, and that's going to... Here's the whole point. You see, the thing about it, when it comes to sin and disobedience, and let's talk about iniquity and, and trespasses, all the things, the Lord Jesus looks down, and he knows that's going to hurt us in the end. And he's not sitting out there going... Don't do it because I said don't do it. He, he doesn't say that. He goes, listen, if you follow this path, you're eventually going to fall and you're going to get hurt. And we go, nah, I'm good. Nah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm serious. I'm good. You see, um, I don't even know when it was. Whenever Nathalie and I went to South Dakota... Our friends took us across the state, and we entered, and we entered the place called the Badlands. Okay, it's a national monument. It's the Badlands. If you've never seen the Badlands, it's really neat to see. So we drive up to the Badlands, and and I mean, it looks like a different world. I can tell you, it looks like you're looking at Mars. There's different, I mean, craters and everything, and I'm, and so forth. You understand that, right? So the first thing I do is I walk to the edge. And I mean, you're talking about a, a 40 or 50 foot drop all the way down, right? Well, Nathalie's like, ah, she's, you know, but I, I'm walking going, well, I, I came to see, you know, they have a path where you can sit and just, and sit down and, and there's this little fence, right? And where am I? I'm at the edge going, wow, look at that. That's amazing. And I think it freaked everybody else out that we had to come back and go, okay, don't walk by the edge anymore. Don't do. But here's the point, guys. When it comes to sin, I think we have that same attitude. I think we go, I'm going to walk by the edge. I think I'll be okay until you slip. And the Lord's going, hey, don't walk by the edge. You see, I've set up some guidelines and some, some I've set up some fences and I, I've set up some areas that you can walk. You're perfectly safe there. That's what I'd love for you to do. You can still enjoy the beauty, of, but don't walk by the edge. And we go, what do we do? In our rebellious heart, we go, hey, hello, right? And if that's not enough, we go a little bit closer and a little, because you want to see a little bit more. And it, and it, and we don't plan to, but what happens? And there you go. That's the same thing with sin. I like the way that Paul writes in Romans chapter 4, or chapter 2, verse 4. Notice what he says. Check this out on the screen. He said, Or did you think that because he's such a nice God that he'll let you off the hook? Better think this one th through from the beginning. God is kind, 
but he's not soft. In kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into a radical life change. Okay? So again, think about what he's saying. He's going, okay, just because there's not consequences right now doesn't mean, and that's how much he loves us. So tonight, here's what we're going to do. We're going to read from verses 1 to 4, and just to remind us where we've been, and then we'll flow into verse 5. Daniel chapter 1, it says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem to besiege it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house which he carried into the land of Shinar, into the house of God, of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Remember, Shinar is just another place for Babylon. It says, then the king instructed Ashpenaz, remember his name? His name means long, it means long face, okay, horses, horses, long face. The master of the eunuchs to bring some of the children of Israel and to bring some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men who was, there was no blemish, but good looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, whom they might teach the language of the literature of the Chaldeans, and the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank. Come, so again, we'll go back, we'll go back here to verse 4. Who was good-looking, possessing knowledge, quick to understand, and had the ability to serve the king's palace. Who may not teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. Now, that's where we picked up, we stopped now. Now we come to verse 5. Now it says, And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies, and of the wine which he drank, three years of training for them, so that the end of the time they might serve before the king. Okay, so here's what we know so far in the book of Daniel. Daniel and company were to be taught at the University of Babylon. How long? Well, the Bible just told us for three years. For three years. The Babylonians wanted Daniel and other company, all the other boys, they wanted them to what? To think, to act, to live just like Babylonians. Now, just for the sake of recap, if you remember, they came from Jerusalem all the way to Babylon. If you're taking note, that's a 900-mile trek. That's 900 miles away from everything that they knew. 900 miles away from your family, 900 miles away from your friends. This is a long place to go. All of a sudden, they're there. Wait a minute. How long are we here for? Are we going to... Okay, so it's 900 miles. I mean, it's not something where you go, well, if I get a chance, I'm going to make a break for it. And I think if I make it over that fence, you've got 900 miles. You've got no food. And so they're, these are just boys. Well, what else did they do? Well, tonight we're going to learn that they've given them all new names. These are Babylonian names, okay? And we're going to see that here tonight. They taught them new customs, new ideas, new lifestyles, new thinking. Can you imagine? Can you think about all of the things that, all of the customs and ideas that you were brought up with. Think about all of those. And all of a sudden they said, no, 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 no. I know that during Christmas you used to cook this, this, and this. And your mother cooked it this way. And you, but you're not going to cook it this way. We're going to give you a brand new recipe that you're going to need to do. And you're like, no. The custom was. And, and all of the things. Think about that. Everything they knew. Everything they knew. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if somebody came to you and said, okay, you can't pray anymore. You can't pray. I know that every night before you go to bed, you kneel down and you open your Bible and you pray. You can't do that anymore. We want to train that out of you. 
Do you guys remember when we talked in our, in our psalm study in, in uh, Heart Devoted to God, we used the word that they walked with God. And remember we talked about that was a habitual way of living. And there were active habits and passive habits. Well, these are passive habits. If we can just keep doing this, eventually we will train the old habits out of you, the old customs, and we'll get you to start thinking like a Babylonian. Interesting. Interesting. Now, these kids are young enough so that they can accomplish the task. What was the goal? Well, we saw in verse 5 that they, at the end of three years, that they might serve before the king. Well, the king doesn't want a bunch of Hebrews. The king doesn't want to go, oh, three times a day the Hebrew children turn to face Jerusalem and worship. We want them to serve our God, our interest. They want to do that. So exactly think about what they're doing. We want them to do that. We want them not to speak in Hebrew. Remember, they were going to be teaching them a new language, a Chaldean language, an Aramaic language. Now, there were three things that the verse, in this verse, that we need to look at. We need to remember that the king appointed for them, what were they? A daily provision of the king's delicacy and wine that he drank. That's the first thing. Now, again, this was not, hey, you're going to um, get ramen noodles and maybe a glass of water and hopes. They fed them well. I mean, this was good. And, by the way, you're going to get three years of the most amazing worldly training, languages from all over. You're going to be exposed to all of this culture. And then... You're going to serve mightily before the king. Okay, so let's break down each one of those so we know what Daniel and his friends are experiencing. Here's what I want you to do. Ah, you're there, okay? You've been taken. You're in Babylon. Maybe, maybe we're a fly in the wall. We're kind of watching what's going on. But we need to understand what's going on here, okay? So the first thing is we notice is that there is the king's delicacies and the wine. We see this. The word delicacies there in the Hebrew actually means meat. Okay? But what we can gather is that it was a royal feast fit for the king. So it was, again, think about this. Now, a lot of commentators believe that the meat here was sacrificed to idols. You go, well, that stands to reason. Why, church? Because they were in Babylonian, and Babylonian was the, well, was the Mecca, if you will, of idol worship. This is where it happens. Israel, yes, sir, you want to you wanna dabble in idol let me, let me take you to where there is idol worship. And all of a sudden, so, so now you go to them, you go, man, I'm getting a little hungry. I'm getting a little, whoa, look at that spread. And now you have all of this meat. You have all of this meat and all this food, and you're just like, whoa. And then you realize, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is probably, they probably sacrificed to idols and, huh, huh, hmm. You see, my upbringing tells me that I'm not supposed to eat meat that's sacrificed to idols. The second thing we saw, guys, and keep that in the back of your mind, is that there was three years of worldly training. Now, I want you to think about this. For the next three years, the four youths 
are supposed to eat of the king's diet, which of course is contrary to the diet, dietary laws of the Jews. Okay? And the Babylons wanted Daniel and the boys to think and eat and act and just, just be Babylonians, right? And the purpose was, you guys know this, to serve the king in the royal court. That educational program here probably included the study of agriculture. They probably studied architecture, astrology, astronomy, probably law, mathematics, and even the difficult Akkadian language. All of these things. And you go, Ben, wow, so how do we apply this? Well, listen, as believers in this world, can I just say this? We too are bombarded by it to conform to its way of thinking. You understand that, church? Right now, you're being squeezed by the world's culture to think like they do. You're bombarded. How? You cannot turn on the news without being bombarded. You can't watch social media. You can't um, have a conversation with somebody. We've gotten so crazy. And again, what is it doing? It's trying to conform you. Listen, if you're not like me, then I don't want anything. You, you don't need to live. If you're not thinking like I am, and this is how the world thinks, and then now you've got culture. And now we're fighting that same race that now the world decided, and we know who's influencing the world, but now we see the world has now influenced our little ones and confused them. We know, and I'm not afraid to say it, we know, according to Genesis, there were two genders. That's all there was. He made them male and female. It makes me so upset when I see grown men try to skirt the issue when asked a simple question. Well, I don't know. Just answer that. No, they can't. Because why? Because they're in this systematic realm of this demonic to try to conform people into their way of thinking. And in, in the other way, this is exactly what Daniel and the boys were going through. This is exactly. You see, in a sense, you and I have been snatched away, really, from our home. You go, what do you, what do you mean? Well, think about it. God never intended the world to be plagued by sin. When he created it and he was, and this was, I mean, it was just going to be amazing and it will be again one day. Can I get an amen on that? It's going to come back. But right now we're just like, oh. I think about Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. Everything was amazing. Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Think about your walk with God for just a moment compared to Adam and Eve before they fell. Think about your walk. Our walks with God are always hindered by the fact that we're sinners. Lord, even if it's a bad attitude, even if we wake up on the wrong side of the bed and we're grunch, grumpy and grouchy, you know, whatever, or, or we say the wrong word. We're, Lord, I want to walk with you, but I just see, feel like I'm failing you all the time. Can you imagine Adam and Eve? They, man, they just they didn't have this. They're walking with God. God, in the cool of the day, hey, Adam, how's it going? God, wow. 
what would you do today, Adam? Well, we did this, and we said, oh, man, what a, what a great day it was. And us, we're just, oh. But let's go a little bit deeper. Let's go a little bit deeper. The world will always try and put things in your path that seemingly aren't harmful. You go, wait, what? Okay, okay, hold, grab this, grab this, guys. The world, not, not, you go, well, I'm not conforming. I'm not, no, but he, but he, okay, okay. You don't have to learn Babylonian, right? Okay, oh, it's all right. Melon, calm down, you're fine. But, but, but the world will try to put things in your path that you go, aren't harmful. You see, the meat in the wine, the king's delicacies, guess what? New, spoiler alert, it's edible. It's good food. It's good. It's food fit for a king. But to the boys, it was harmful spiritually in the long run. You go, wow. Do you remember what Paul taught us? Do you remember what Paul taught us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12? He, sees, he says this, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I would not be brought under the power of any. Guys, think about this. And here's the lesson the Lord wants us to learn. Just because something is technically good, technically legal, doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. If you and I went around doing whatever we thought we could do, you'd get by with, then we'd be a slave to our whims, wouldn't we? Isn't that a great lesson? Now, let me give you some examples to learn from. Here, here we go, right? The pleasure of getting our own way, the desire is very evident in all walks of life. The pleasure of getting our own way. The pleasure of being right. How smug we feel when we're proved right and others are shown to be wrong. What about this? What about the pleasure of being valued more highly than another? It's a very sweet to be promoted when others are overlooked. What about the value or the pleasure of acquiring things? It undoubtedly makes a lot of folks feel better about themselves to accumulate possessions. How about the pleasure of being much loved and popular? Or the pleasure of doing what we want. I'm afraid that some Christians have, to got, have got so much in the habit of doing what they want that they don't even recognize it could be wrong. Listen, if we refuse to take on family or church responsibilities because we wish to be free to enjoy ourselves, in the, this way we choose that this is wrong. That this is wrong. All of these things that I mentioned to you, church, listen, in and of themselves, they're harmless. It's okay to get promoted at your job. But when we have a steady diet of all of these pleasures, then all of a sudden we can become more like the world. I think about God in heaven looking down at our city. And his desire, he loves us so much, and his desire is that we would glorify him at, every, at everything we do and every word we say. And our thoughts and our actions and 
And I think because we're human, think about that. Because we're human, we, we have a bigger struggle. We tend to rebel. And I think it's so important, church, that we purpose in our hearts to say, okay, Lord, I know what you want and I have to glorify you. I don't know about you, but sometimes I find myself, um, I don't say fighting with God, but maybe, maybe arguing with God at times. Maybe a little bit of a, a pushback. I know what his word says and I know what he's calling me to do. I know that his Holy Spirit is real in my life because he brings that conviction to my heart. And so I sit there and I think, wow, Lord, okay, but, but Lord, you don't, you don't understand. Have you ever said that to God? God, you don't understand. Really? God doesn't understand. He's like, hmm, okay. Explain it to me, Ben. Okay, well, let me tell you how it is, Lord. Let me say, this is how I say, explain it to me. You tell, no, but, but this is how we sort of push back. We go, well, and I find myself knowing Come on, somebody help me. Knowing what to do, knowing what is right, but fighting him along the way. I hope it's not just me. Because I find myself going, I know, I know. And, and, and I see this image of what Ben should be like. I know, glorifying God, I mean, just, just loving Jesus, happy, joyful. And then this one wakes up. <laughs> and it's like... That's not anything like I thought, but it's a struggle. And I know, here's the thing, guys. Two natures, they, they're in me. Two natures beat within my breast. Okay? One I love and one I hate. One is blessed and one is cursed, but the one I feed will dominate. And when I, when I, oh, when I sow to the flesh... When I say, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to be, uh, it's my rights I'm going to do here. Then I tend to walk in the flesh more. When I sow to the Spirit, and I'm reading His Word, and I'm praying, and I'm humbled, and I'm submitted, then I let the Lord, the Lord just comes. and. <sighs> you see, church, listen to me. If you get nothing out of this Bible study, feed your spirit. Feed your spirit. Feed your spirit. Why? Remember, your spirit, once it grows, it will control your soul and your body and, and it will help you change your thinking. Paul tells us, help me change my thinking, Lord. Do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed. How? By the renewing of my mind. Lord, as I'm conformed, my, 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 my thoughts are different. I'm changed. I'm changed. And I think that's so, so key. Now, I want you to catch something in our text. I want you to catch something. I, I want you to see, let's, let's go back just a second, right? I want you to see here, Daniel is writing this almost 70 years after captivity. And yet, he does something very interesting. You go, what's that? It's really minuscule unless you catch it. What's that? 
Daniel employs his Hebrew names. Daniel is a Hebrew, not a heathen. And he had not conformed to the Babylonian world. So how do we stay strong in in an evil world? Guys, we've determined. Why? Again, let me show you. Look at verse 6. From among the sons of Judah were who? Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Guys, that should jump out of the text in your eyes. Why? Again, you've got to write this down. Seventy years he's writing this, and he goes, let me tell you who left Jerusalem. Daniel did. Who else? Oh, oh, and Hananiah went, and Mishael went, and Azariah went. Now, before we jump into this, let me, let's just, I, I just think, man, whenever there's names, we've got to dig in the names so we understand what they are, okay? What are the two? And they're very beautiful names. Why? Well, jot this down in your, in your notes. Daniel means God is judge. God is judge. And that's important, okay? Because we're going to see something very prophetic in the coming months of Daniel of how he's going to judge. We're going to see all, we're going to see basically the tribulation. We're going to see how um, actually Nebuchadnezzar is God's judgment on a um, sin-loving, idol-worshiping Israel. So God is judge. Hananiah, jot this down, means beloved of the Lord. Beloved of the Lord. I love that. He's beloved of the Lord. Mishael means who is like God. Who is like God. And then Azariah means, the Lord is my help. The Lord is my help. Okay? Daniel means, God is judge. Hananiah, beloved of the Lord. Mishael, who is like God. And Azariah, the Lord is my help. These are great names. So I started thinking of the names, right? Can you imagine... Can you imagine, and it doesn't tell us, but let's just say, um, let's just say Michelle's mom and dad. Oh, look, it, it, it's a little boy. Oh, he looks like me. Yes, he, oh. Honey, what do you think we should name him? Well, I think we should name him Michelle. Why? Because Michelle means who is like God. And I want him to grow up knowing God. You're like, wow. You see, in the Hebrew culture, names, they had meaning. They weren't more than just names. They had, they had significant meanings. And so I started thinking away, and I started thinking, remember, do you remember that song? Do you remember that song? Matthew West sang a song called, Hello, My Name Is. Do you remember that song? And uh, I started thinking about this. Now, labor with me for a moment, because I wrote down his lyrics. He, he starts off, this is the song. Hello, my name is Regret. I'm pretty sure we have met. Every single day of your life, I'm a whisper inside that won't let you forget. Hello, my name is Defeat. I know you recognize me just when you think you can win. I'll drag you right back down again till you've lost all belief. Oh, these are voices. Oh, these are lies. And, and I have believed them for the very last time. Okay, and then and it goes on. He says, hello, 
My name is child of the one true king. I've been saved. I've been changed. I've been set free. Amazing grace is the song I sing. Hello, my name is the child of the one true king. I'm no longer defined by all the wreckage behind. The one who makes all things new has proven it's true. Just take a look at my life. What love the Father has lavished upon us, we should be called his children. I am a child of the one true king. So you see, he's contrasting what the world is trying to do. Hey, hello, my name is Regret. Yeah, it doesn't let me. I have so many regrets. I have some. He goes, no, no, no. You need to. Here's the point. Here's what I want to ask you. Here's my question, church. Do you believe that? Do you believe your new name and what God's purpose has for you? I mean, I think about this and I'm like, wow, such amazing takeaways. Why? Because number one, I mean, their, their names are to glorify God. And even 70 years later, he employs their names to glorify God. Why? The first thing you need to grasp is he's not tainted by the world. Even 70 years of living in Babylon, he's still focused on worshiping God. The same for us, church. Listen, we need to stay strong in an evil world. Even though you live in this world, you've got to stay strong. Your foundation has got to be firm. And here's the encouragement to you because that's exactly where it's going to be. You need to go, listen, no, no, no. I'm still a believer. Well, the whole world is saying, turn, no, forget it. That's, that's history, forget it. We're going to get rid of all you Christians and you Bible-believing thumpers. And It doesn't matter. But let's go one deeper, church. Let's go one deeper. That needs to be instilled in us that if we're here and we're in a meeting, we're praying and we're hanging out together and those doors open up and all of a sudden people come in and go, okay. And they're, they're covered in garb and they have guns and they say, listen, we're ready to get away, get done with all of you Christians. We're tired of it. How many of you are a Bible-believing, a, a, a fully devoted follower of God? Please stand up. And if you stand up, this is going to be your last night on earth. You see, that's where the faith comes in. We go. If you're not a believer, if you're, if you're listen, if you're scared... You can go free. You can go free. I wonder if we could stand strong and say, no, Lord. The Bible tells us, church, listen to me. The Bible tells us that if we'll love our life, then we're going to lose it. But if we lose our life for his sake, we're going to find it. And we need to remember, we need to remember that God has appointed a certain amount of time in this world for you. I don't need to fight it. I don't need to hold on to any more days than I need to. As a believer, as a Christian, my goal is heaven. That, that's my goal. Wait a minute, Ben. So if you do this... Now, listen, I'm not telling you to eat bad and go out and eat, you know... Uh, ho-hos and, and have all the sugar. I'm not telling you to do that, okay? Well, Pastor Ben said, just go eat, go eat Twinkies for we're going to die anyway. That's not what I'm saying, okay? I'm saying, well, and here's why. We have, to be, we have to be healthy to do the work of God. 
Okay, so I, I can't endorse that. But I also am saying, if, if it's a matter of going home and holding on for a few more days, go home. It's okay. Because that's the goal. That's the goal. And we have to come to the place where we trust the Lord. That's the first takeaway. The second takeaway, again, guys, is walking in what your true identification is. A child of the one true king. And if you truly believe that, you'll live that way. And when regret comes and goes, psh, 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 when lies come and go, psh, you say, shut up. That's not who I am. That's not who, that's maybe who I once was. That's not me no more. Pastor Soph, when did you get saved? Did you know that in January 2000, Sophani Vienna died? Did you know that? When you're born again, the old person died. That's not him anymore. So for 22 years, he's been walking with a new name. It's the same for all of us. But the point I'm trying to make, guys, is such a great takeaway, is that you are a Christian, Christ-like, Christ, I-A-N. I am, I am just like Jesus. I want to follow him. And nothing, no one's got anything on me. Verse 7. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. So guess what happened? Let's change your names. You're in a heathen world. You're in a, let's change your name, right? Now, remember, the enemy, the world, will go to great lengths to try and change who God says you are. No, 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 you're not. No, 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 exactly. In verse 7, we get a name change. Verse 7. That's amazing. Why? Because the enemy's going, okay, let's start this process. It will always give you a name that reflects the God it wants you to serve. You ever notice that? The world. The enemy will always give you a name. Why? Think about this. Daniel, yes sir, your name is now changed. From now on, we're going to call you Belteshazzar. His name means Baal's prince. Baal's prince. Baal was one of the gods of the Babylonians. Now, let this sink in. For 70 years, everybody he knew, for the most part, called him Belteshazzar. But Daniel says, no, 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 no. I'm Daniel. My name is, my name is God will judge. That's, that's my name. Hananiah? Yes, sir? You're now going to be Shadrach. What does that mean? Shadrach means illuminated by the sun god. Illuminated by the sun god. Pretty cool worldly name if you ask me. Illuminated by the sun god. But it's, but it's heathen. It's Shadrach. Mich Michelle? Yes? Um, we're changing your name too. Okay. It's going to be, you're now called Meshach. 
You go, what does that mean? Well, if you're taking note, it means who is like Shaq. And I'm not talking about the basketball player, okay? <laughs> it's not Shaq. Shaq was another of, it's S-H-A-K. It was another of the Babylonian deities. Okay? And so, now you got Hananiah, you got Michelle. Azariah, yes, you're going to be called Abednego. Abednego. And you go, well, what does that mean? It means servant of Nego, which was another of the Babylonian deities. Do you see what they're trying to do? They're trying to take names and go, okay, this is what you're going to do. You're going to serve the little G-gods in the Babylonian community. That's what your names are going to mean. I was like, wow. Wow. I think about that, guys. I think about just our names. I think about what the world tries to do. And he tries to tell us. And the thing about it is that it's not, it, it may be more than 70 years for us and the world's been trying to squeeze you and trying to squeeze you. Most of us, all of us in here were not born saved. There was a moment in time when we got saved. Pastor Sof, do you remember? He said January 2000, he got saved, born again. Every one of us can probably pinpoint a time where we go, yes, I said yes to Jesus. Okay, so we weren't born saved. The problem was, is the life that we've had before wants to pull us back and go, hey, remember your name back then? Remember you were life of the party? Remember you were captain of the football team? Remember you were this and you were that? And it wants to pull you away from your God-given name and your God-given purpose. Guys, I don't know if you understand this, but there's a civil war going on in your life. You're here, your spirit and all of that is trying to serve and worship God. God, I, want, I love you. I love God. And then your flesh, which we give into, wants to do everything, wants to go back to all those days and of, of partying and all that stuff, right? And pulls you and you're like, no, I, I want to serve God. And it's dragging you back and you're like, no. And it's a civil war back and forth. But Daniel, Daniel and, and these four youths show us how to stand strong. How to stand strong. How do they do it? I would pray and I would hope that Daniel said, hey, guys, listen, gather around. We're, we're, we're um, mm. we might be here a while. You see, I was reading the book of Jeremiah and uh, I think we're going to be here for 70 years. What? First and foremost, the same applies to a church. We've got to stick together. We've got to stick together. Daniel? Yes, sir. Are you going to call me a Bendigo? I'm not going to call you a Bendigo. That's what they want me to call you. I'm going to call you by your God. I'm going to call you Azariah. I'm going to call, okay? Okay. So let's, we got to stick together. Okay? And then we got to, we got to huddle up and pray. We got to pray for each other. Okay? Because I know we're going to be, we're going to be trained for at least three years. And so how do we do this? We need the word of God. We need to grow together. We need to, we need to study God's word. 
And we see that Daniel, Daniel's going to end up where? He's going to end up in a lion's den, isn't he? Why? Because he, he refuses to, to bow. He refuses, I'm still going to pray. I'm still going to pray. Lots of neat lessons we see here in the book of Daniel. Think about this. Moving on, Daniel does so well for the Babylonians. I mean, he's an outstanding citizen for the Babylonians. What does that mean? When we work, church, we work and we give our boss 100%. Yeah, but they're worldly. They're crooks. So was, so was Nebuchadnezzar. So are the Babylonians. But Daniel represented God in such a I mean, great lessons we're going to be able to pull out of here. Great lessons. But here's what I want to do. I want to spend some time. We have just a few minutes. I want to close the Bible study and I want to spend some time in prayer because we need to we need to be together. We need to encourage each other. Next week, we're going to see that Daniel requests a different diet. Okay? To keep in line with his heritage and his belief system. But let me leave you with this. Tonight, we are challenged to stand strong in an ungodly world. Church, we're going to leave here in a few minutes at 8.30. We're going to go back into the world. We're gonna, it's right out those doors. Okay? But we're called to stand strong. You go, man, what if I've, what if I've blown it? What if I've compromised in my walk? Where do we stand? Well, jot this down. Don't, don't close your Bibles. Jot this down. Hebrews 6, 13 through 15 says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Now listen. When I read that last verse, the last part strikes me very odd. You go, why is that? Well, think about Abraham patiently endured. Abraham patiently endured. What happened in Egypt? What happened? In, what about what happened in Egypt, Abraham? Not to mention Hagar and then Ishmael. What do you mean? Well, Abraham demonstrated a huge lap of faith by not trusting God. By taking matters into his own hands. Do you remember that? And creating a mess of things. Abraham, don't go to Egypt. Here I go. Abraham, well, yes, or tell her she's my sister. You know, and then Hagar and all this good stuff. But listen closely. You ready? Life is full of moments of failure, mistakes, and even lapses of faith. However, we learn that God's grace is sufficient for our sin. You see... What I want to remind you is the book of Hebrews was written after Calvary. On the other side of Calvary, where all of our sins and shame, lack of patience, are completely taken care of. On the other side of Calvary, God's perspective of Abraham was, and he patiently endured to obtain the promise. Last thought. We fail to stand strong or lapse in our faith and react in the flesh. Remember that the blood of Jesus Christ shed at Calvary's cross covers you all your sin and all your shame. 
this side of Calvary, your name is child of the one true king. Amen. So here's what we're going to do. We've got, we've got a few minutes. Pastor actually finished early. We're going to pray. And then, and then here's what I'd like to do. Um, Pastor Soph is here. If you guys will gather here to pray. And we'll gather here to pray. And we'll spend some time in just praying for each other. Because I feel like this is exactly the lesson God wants us to do. Guys, we, we need to stand strong. And, and we need the encouragement of our brothers and our sisters. Okay? So I'm going to pray, but then here's what I'm going to do. Get out of your seat. Let's gather close together. We're going to pray, and then in a, in a few minutes, then we'll, um, we'll close with the worship song. Is that, God, is that okay? Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for your word and the truth in your word. And we thank you, Lord, that we can spend time in prayer. Lord, we need encouragement, Lord. We need to stand strong in an ungodly world. Lord, the world, television, internet, news... All of that, Lord, is trying to squeeze us to be more like them, to conform to, to conform to their way of thinking. Father, we saw a huge, huge com- attack, Lord, starting in 2020. And so, Lord, we just shake our heads in our world. So tonight, Lord, at this little church, if we can just gather together and pray, that would be amazing. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's gather together here. Soph's got over there, and we'll gather around here. And we'll just take some time to pray. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.